Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. My name is John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist, a group practice owner, and a business coach at Private Practice Workshop, helping you build a better business without all the overwhelm. And I'm very excited to introduce today my guest. It's Lisa Haggis. She helps service-based entrepreneurs position their business businesses as a one-of-a-kind in their field for higher visibility, impact, and earning potential. Leveraging 18 years of experience in marketing and business strategy, she's committed to cracking the code on what makes a business innately interesting and worth mentioning. Hint, it begins with having something original to say. She's the founder of Realize Your Brand, a high-touch business consultancy, and the creator of this uh, substantial branding method, an approach that transforms your growing business into the legacy-level brand that you uniquely are meant to create. Man, that's a really good bio. That's one of the better bios I've read recently. <laughs> Thank you. You could, you could tell you're Thank a good you, copywriter too, um, <laughs> just by that. But Lisa, thanks for being here. Um, what else should people know about you, kind of off the bat, in terms of who you are, and and also how how did you get here? And then we'll um, kind of open it up today to talk about branding as a therapist in private practice. We um, we're here live on YouTube as always. So um, if you have questions as uh, listeners or viewers, please submit those in the um, in the chat as always. And we also have some pre-submitted questions that we'll get to as well. But yeah, um, Lisa, what else should people know about you? Okay, well, um, I, I'm just gonna, there's so much in that bio. So I'm just gonna roll from there. Like what yeah. I think is kind of missing from that story is a little bit of my own personal passion around authenticity. And my own personal journey has been, you know, trying to kind of always find my place in the world to be fully myself in a way that serves others, in a way that I'm not holding back or compromising or needing to be something I'm not. And before I started my business, I was in corporate and agency life for 10 years. And it was that over and over again, trying to, you know, be acceptable, get ahead and play the game. And for me, like the reason why I love branding is because it is the key to being able to completely be yourself and succeed because of it. And so that's really my, you know, my rally cry is that you get to show up as yourself. You don't have to be anything that you're not. And that actually, like, the braver and bolder you are with that, the more yeah. rewards there are in life and business. Yeah, that's well said. Um, quite quite fitting for this audience, which is therapists. We uh, talk about and uh, think a great deal about authenticity in 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 school to become a therapist and also in creating more congruence. Uh, in the lives of our clients, right? And, and um, that's a big part of, I would say, what we do is helping them live more authentically and sometimes removing obstacles to them living more authentically. It, it's interesting as a therapist, you know, we also are tasked with how do we stand out amongst uh, what can be a sea of therapists or, in my experience, a lot of therapy brands that look and feel almost identical. Um, lots of pastels, lots of very, um, you know, warm, fuzzy language that doesn't really necessarily mean much. 
Um, and uh, the, the, just the kind of predictable uh, therapist brand. You know, I create a warm, sp safe space for all of our all of my clients. And it's yeah. like, well, who, who doesn't do that? So I, I think the bar is relatively low for a lot of us in terms of a lot of therapist brands that are are very flat. And so there's opportunity to stand out a bit more, I guess, by being more of who you are. Absolutely. I think that, I think that a lot of times, you know, people like they're in each industry, you see how everybody is trying to set themselves apart in all the same way. And, yeah. and it always does, like, it surprises me to hear people saying things that they think are really original about how they're showing up. And meanwhile, if they just kind of looked around, they would see that actually they're just kind of repeating, like they're singing with the choir. It's they're kind of yeah. blending in by trying to be different in that way. Yeah. And I think a lot of this because um, we don't know how to start or how to speak about what we do or who we are or speak to our clients. Right. So we just mm -hmm. do what we've kind of seen out there. Right. Um, and that's not a, a very good way to to build a brand. Um, I see a lot of what I call accidental branding out there. Um, a therapist who just picks a website template, picks some random colors, you know, just writes off the top of their head, and then they're like, "Why don't I have clients?" Or you know, even a a, a site like that that has um, plenty of traffic but no clients, and they're going, "What what's happening here?" Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of pieces that can. Um, that can kind of go wrong in the whole process of, of marketing one's practice. That's such a good way of putting it. There's a lot of pieces that can go wrong and I can see why that would be so overwhelming when, yeah. when you look at it that way. So walk us through kind of how you start with a business owner and, um, I'm also curious. Yeah. Have you worked with some therapists and if so, what's that? Yeah. I, like? I've worked and, yeah. So I've worked with therapists in a few different niches, like art therapy and movement therapy. And, and so I, I've, I've got a little bit of exposure to the world. I've worked also with an, a lot of coaches, which is a kind of an adjacent, yeah. you know, I'm sure I, I'm curious to know what that brings up in, in a lot of the therapists. Yeah, out there. It could be a um, kind of worms. <laughs> it totally. Um, but yeah, so the, the process that I, that I take my clients through um, is really about going inward first. Um, like I call my approach substantial branding because I see it as though we want to brand ourselves on solid ground. We want to feel like we have ourselves rooted into the truth of who we are so that we can be bold and brave and put ourselves out there. And a lot of times when people don't take the time to get clear on who they are and how what what their solid ground is, um, they're starting to just put themselves out there. And it's like you're a tree mm -hmm. without roots. And that's not going to last for very long. And so yeah. I work with clients to dig out what I call their brand truths. And I see myself as like being this miner on an expedition to dig out like what are your values? What are your beliefs? Yeah. What what is your natural personality? Like, yeah. you know, like what's your character and how you cannot help but make other people feel. Yeah. And that's the real stuff that we want to build from. Yeah. And so I do that, but then simultaneously, and this is critical, I interview their clients and I get the client perspective and I yeah. look for the, the overlap so that 
they're standing on solid ground with who they truly are, but yeah. they're skimming off the pieces of that that will resonate with yeah. their ideal client and leading with that. That's massive. I mean, uh, out of all the years I've been doing this, um, which has been quite a few now, that's the first time I've heard of anyone working in marketing or branding with therapists who who has that step of mm-hmm. going to the clients or the consumers. Um, and it makes a ton of sense, right? And again, this is, I think, another pitfall of therapists is you see them all the time in a Facebook group of therapists saying, hey, here's my new website. What do you guys think to a bunch of therapists? Right. We were doing this this morning in one of my mastermind groups and a, a therapist came and he said, hey guys, I've got these three website templates. Which one do you all like the best? And my first response was, we're not your clients. We're not your avatar, right? And um, we are we can't not be blinded by our own kind of bias of first of all being therapists and on this side of things. And also again, really not being his avatar at all. So those are the people that need to be casting their votes on um, and giving their genuine reactions to, to things. Absolutely. Uh, get a lot of gold there. Um, yeah. Yeah. A question that I like to ask my clients, like, cause we're talking like, I call this brand character, this realm yeah. of like, you know, what template do you like or whatever? Um, and the question that I ask my clients is like, what are your people craving? Like how, yeah. like, what is the craving in terms of how they want to feel? And that should be your guiding principle, like mm. over and above what people like. It's not even about what people like or what they think is most attractive visually. It's what's satisfying that inner craving for how they want to feel. Yeah. Yeah, this is huge, right? I mean, core concept with marketing and and then in sales is understanding what people want. And in our case, you know, I think good business solves a painful, urgent problem for someone, whether it's a leaky roof or a, a mental health crisis, right? Or a marriage that's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And that's part of uh, often with our clients, they are coming in some sort of crisis or turning point, right? And the pain is quite high and the urgency is quite high. And so we can connect with them through that as, as a starting point. And then this other piece about how do we stand out and be, I, I think, less predictable as therapists, um, I think is really interesting to me. Um, I've seen people do it really well. There's a guy, um, if you look up theangrytherapist.com, I think that's what it is. It's, you know, his website is black. There's a lot of black and the accent color is yellow. And his whole his whole brand is kind of like the anti-therapist, right? Mm-hmm. The typical mm-hmm. therapist is soft and sweet. And what, how does that make you feel? What, what's that like for you? What's coming up, right? He's angry. He's badass. He wears a leather jacket. He, his headshots are him on his motorcycle with tattoos. His bio is about how he um, hit rock bottom with his addiction and his marriage fall, fell apart, right? He kind of leads with all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he picks at what's wrong with therapy in the industry, right? And of a lot of kind of these fake passive therapists just saying, this sounds really hard versus being real with them and Mm -hmm. coming from a place of your own experience and your own truth and all this stuff. So anyway, every now and then you see a brand like that amongst a sea of really, you know, again, boring therapist brands and um, it can't help but stand out in a huge way. Absolutely. And like, I'd like to add to that because these are exactly the kind of brands that I find, you know, clients see and 
what they see is the personality. They see the, you know, the bold color choices and maybe some angry language or whatever. And, and they feel as though that's the brand. And then they feel like they have to kind of choose a palette when it comes to personality. Yeah. And what I want to point out, which is critical, is that that would fall flat if he didn't have a unique point of view and yeah. something he was standing for at a much deeper level strategically and like through yeah. his message. And then that stuff reinforces that really important position he's made for himself. There's also some piece about, about mission that becomes relevant here very quickly. Um, and, you know, drawing some line in the stand, in the sand, right. And standing for something rather than nothing. And in his case, again, part of it is therapist being phony, right. And mm -hmm. being guarded and closed off or just, you know, um, kind of plain and, and warm or just saying the canned responses that we learn in graduate school. And that pisses him off. And that's part of the engine of his, his brand. I think it's, it's very interesting. And I think a lot of therapists should think about what they stand for, what keeps them up at night um, and, um, and, and how to communicate some, some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, asking yourself, like when you're really clear on the transformation that you want to provide or support your clients to create for themselves, that is when you can really be looking at it and say, hey, what is everybody else getting wrong about supporting clients in this transformation? And you can see that that's exactly what he did. He he decided he wasn't going to just fall in line with the way, the way that it's normally done. And he decided that there's a better way, but that it's better because it gets better results for the clients. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, maybe you can walk us through a, f a few more questions that you ask your clients early on or at any at any stage in the branding process, because I think the people listening right now um, are, the, you know, our listeners are always wondering, what can I learn from this today? And maybe what's something I can take away and, and try, right? Or if I'm jotting down notes while listening to this, what could I ask myself in terms of my brand? So maybe, yeah, if you can walk us through a, a few examples of questions, and then um, I have some actual questions from listeners here that I'll I'll add in the, the comments. Yeah. yeah, exciting. So um, the questions that I'll, I'll walk you through are kind of in three different areas, because in order to build that solid brand foundation, you, you need meaning, value, and originality. And these are the three elements of the substantial branding model. And there are key questions to be asking yourself at each of these, like around each of these parts of your brand. So we've already kind of alluded to the big question in meaning, which is what do I stand for? Um, but another question that might really help you unlock, you know, why you care about this work is simply why does the world need therapists right. like in general? Like why is therapy matter? And then more specifically, what does my kind of therapy matter? Yeah. And you'll start to understand, you know, why you think the business needs to exist and that, you know, you'll get some nice messaging from there. But I want to point out, it's not for the messaging. It's kind of for your own connection to it so that you can stay really focused on your purpose and inspired by it. Um, the next question that I would ask is, what is the transformation 
that you provide. And so we could kind of go off into the idea of getting specific with it and niching. Um, but even if you don't, do you actually know what you're helping people create in their lives and where they were when they started? Yeah. And can you describe that? And can you break it down into some of, you know, some of the more tangible transformations that that are part of that bigger transformation? Yeah. And then that would be kind of your value piece. And then for originality, that is how do you do it differently? Or what what do people need to know in order to get this outcome that they that nobody is telling them? And yeah. if you answer, if you could just start by answering those questions, you'll have a lot to say. Um, and you'll be on the path to connecting with people like in your own unique way. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I think um, some therapists will not answer these questions in part because they haven't worked with a, a you know a branding specialist like you, but also they a lot of them a lot of therapists we think it's implicit, right? As to why mm -hmm. I do this, right? I want to help people, or I like helping people. I'm a good listener, whatever it is. We have to go way beyond that, right? And um, that's part of why I love what this branding process does. I mean. I'll tell you two examples from myself. Years ago, I was doing a rebrand for for this this business, um, and working with a uh, a logo designer. And part of his, you know, his intake process was a lot of these questions around what makes you different, right? Who are you? Who do you help? Um, even doing competitor research stuff like that. And I talked about this human element of of business that a lot of therapists and a lot of practice coaches focus on. You know. Um, uh, getting clients, hitting more numbers, passive income, this whole thing. And a lot of what they miss is kind of the person element and being connected to your purpose in life and building a business that really, that really feeds your life and your interests and your passions and, uh, and things like that. And really getting to the center of who you are and kind of your, your personal brand and infusing that into your business. And so he came back and in one of the first logo concepts, he called it business made human. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I don't, you know, where did you get that? And he was like, well, I got it from your prompt or from what you said in the prompt. Fast forward three and a half years later, that's been our, one of our longest standing programs is my, my mastermind program called business made human. That's exactly about those things. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like therapy for your business, right? It, we address the the tactics, the business side is, and, and all that stuff, but we get very real. We're very authentic. People cry, people share what's really happening in life in the context of you know, uh, everything. And um, it's quite different from a lot of what's out there and people kind of know that. So it, it's funny because that was something I was already kind of doing, but he was able to draw it out, put it in mm -hmm. words, put it into a logo, and then all of a sudden it comes to life and it's a, it's a program now. So yeah, yeah, I just love this process. Exactly. Like a lot of times you can't really see um, what is unique or special about how like how you're showing up already, what you're already doing. And so the benefit of working with somebody who can come in as an outsider who, you know, has kind of uh, experience unearthing brands and, and seeing what is kind of sticky or worth running with Um you could get a lot of these concepts that you'll be running with for years and years yeah. and that just so simply um, set you apart. Yeah. We are also very diligent about getting client feedback and written, you know, feedback every six months, if not, you know, more often than that, because inevitably they can describe our programs way better than we can. 
And that copy is just pure gold compared to whatever I would say about BMH. Again, they can still describe it better than I can because they're receiving it, right? And Mm -hmm. um, it's always amazing to get their feedback and their testimonials. And then it makes a sales page, you know, really come to life when you have their words and not just mine, right? Um, It's it's just huge. Um, We have a a question here, so I'll go ahead and post it. It's a, a bit of a long one, but it says, um, I'm stuck on the logo. I'm working on uh, scripting my website, but my search for an affordable logo has hit a little snag. I know it's important to have a professional logo, but while I'm just getting started, I'm really trying to stretch my resources. Can I use a nice Google fonts version of my company name for my website in place of a logo? John, did you have a great logo for your first five to 10 clients? <laughs> yeah, feel free to dive in on this one. I've got a lot well, of thoughts, but I, I I don't know. We might have different we might have different perspectives on it. And so it. my perspective is um, that when you're getting started, you don't need to hire someone to design a logo for you. Um, if it's between you know getting your copy on your website or even just your messaging on how you talk about what you do, um, right, or paying for somebody to design a logo, um, don't don't get a logo. But what I will say is there are there are better options than just using a Google font and, you know, doing that yourself. Like I know, um, I think Squarespace has a logo designer and, you know, you could do Fiverr, like there, there are really affordable options. Um, but what I would say is two things, you know, don't make it complicated because there's no such thing as a complicated, cheap logo that's any good. <laughs> right. Keep it super, super simple, classic, um, you know, dialed right in. And that will be fine for, for your early days. And the other thing is the only thing that like, if you're going to give it any style at all, think back to that question of how do you want people to feel and make sure that you're going in that direction versus something that looks cool or is funky or, or whatever else. Yeah, I, I generally agree with you. I think my qualm with it is that therapists have a hard time spending money, right? And a lot of times we try to cut corners up front. And, you know, a lot of therapists will say, I've got $500 to put into my business, but you're going to turn around and build a six-figure business, right? And um, very attainable for therapists to make upwards of six figures in private practice, perhaps after a couple of years, but very doable. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to open a restaurant, I'm taking out $100,000 in a business loan, you know, for, for, um, for the kitchen, for the, the uniforms, for all these things. Um, so I really put, would, would encourage therapists to go a little further and spend the money up front to do this process because you're going to get not only the product, which could be an amazing logo that's going to last you, I don't know, 10 or 15 years or forever, right? If it's good enough. And then the other part is it's going to force you to answer some of these really hard questions that you and I are talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of who am I and how am I different? And um, rather than just kind of branding randomly. That being said, when I created my first, my, for my first five to 10 clients, I have to think back, I was out here in San Francisco that the main thing that was different for me out here was my modality, right. And niching down around CBT. That was the main part of my practice. And I had built my own site, but I spent a couple hundred bucks on like a, for like a family friend who could make a decent logo. And that ended up being my logo for a few years. What I'll say is that it took a very, what was a very plain looking Squarespace site and it made it look more legit overnight, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden it had nice colors, the font, it was, it was done right, even though it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Um, she kind of picked two brand colors that I just went and ran with. And then I replicated those for the rest of the site. And so for a couple hundred bucks, I think it looked more, uh, you know, a lot better than it would have before. Yeah. That. So yeah, well, and, yeah. and I also, I love that point of view, like, because there is a little bit of a, um, a shrinking happening when you're like, oh, I don't want to invest because it's kind of like telling yourself that you don't think you'll reach that level of success that'll make it worth it. So I, I totally hear that. And I like that. Um, and I also want to point out that yeah. that that photography is actually yeah. what, one of the things that I often do say, like, if you're going to invest That's somewhere, um, the photography can really make the difference. Like in a simple site with a simple logo, great photography will elevate everything. And so it's just yeah. about knowing, you know, and, and kind of knowing your own skill set as well. Like if you don't have the taste or the, the eye for any of this, yeah. then yeah, you probably want to go and get professional support immediate, like right away so that you yeah. get off to a good start. That's actually a great point, though, with the photography piece, right? Um, even thinking about a directory like Psychology Today, where you have, you know, a million therapists on there, the first thing they see is your headshot, right? And if you have a, uh, you know, a dimly lit selfie with with your ex boyfriend, you know, cut out with the shoulder, <laughs> which is a real thing, and then you have a really nice, well lit headshot, you know, with some some greenery behind you or whatever, or, you know, you can see your tattoos on your sleeve, like clients are inferring a lot from that alone and they might skim the first two lines of your copy and they're like, I'm either calling this dude or I'm not. Mm -hmm. So th this is absolutely massive. Um, I, yeah, I think th an interesting question would be if I've only got 500 bucks, do I spend it on a logo first or on photography first? Right. And well, if you've only got 500 bucks, I would say the first thing is to know your own strengths. And so, you know, if you, if you don't have any strengths around your messaging and that stuff, I would actually spend it there. But yeah, between logo and photography, I would choose photography personally, yeah. personally. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because even let's say someone goes straight to hiring a copywriter and if the copywriter is very good technically, but you haven't done some of that legwork to figure out who you are, right? Then yeah some therapists will go, okay, just write my copy or they'll hire a website developer and say, okay, do the design and the copy and just make it cool. Right. But yes. it's, it, you know, that's, that's a real mistake yeah. as well. Right. Cause there's just still no identity first. And then you have a very confused kind of random accidental brand as I call it. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really, I think it's valuable to point out that there's a lot of terminology out there in the world that kind of means multiple things. Mm. And so, you know, when I say, get help kind of clarifying your messaging. I'm talking about finding a brand strategist or a business coach or a brand coach or a copywriter. It doesn't matter their title. As long as like the, the very first thing they're going to do with you is dig into who you are and pull out like that truth of what the business is that you're creating and who you are as a business and a leader. Yeah. That that's what I mean. And so to me, that's brand strategy, but you might see it under other names out there. And so yeah. just knowing the outcome is really what matters. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's really well said. Um, yeah. Again, in a perfect world, you know, a therapist would have it all and you'd have a lot of different people involved in, in, in the creation of the brand. Um, 
back to this person's question, you know, uh, an approach that's worked for me, as you can see, even in this this logo in the top right for Private Practice Workshop, this is a uh, a, a logo and a font that took a lot longer than you would think because this was out of many, many iterations with my <laughs> designer. And once we found this uh, overly simple, you know, kind of logo, and it's just three words, but in uh, a very intentional kind of font that's um, kind of cool, kind of kind of hip. It's very legible. It's very bold. I wanted it to read almost like a clothing brand. This is the, the font I used for my very first or my second counseling practice because I wanted it to look and feel almost like a clothing brand, like American Apparel or some kind of urban brand like that. And so we were able to then take that and replicate it for across my brand, right? So for BMH, you'll see the logo is that, right? But he's done it and locked it up, right? And the spacing is correct, things like that. It's the same thing we use for for the creation of my current practices logo, Calm Again Counseling. So we've created kind of a system with it that we can replicate. He's got you know a, a nice color palette that we can use and that you know team members can use for you know uh, thumbnails and social media and stuff like that. So at some point you you might have something simple like that that you can kind of use and reuse, and you just need enough to to kind of get started. Um, I think Canva is another great resource too for this person yeah. to look and, you know, create something decent there just to get started with. But I would say keep it simple, keep it really legible. You know, yeah. don't go crazy with lots of colors or little intricate designs that are going to be hard on the eye. Yeah. Yeah. And I just noticed that, I, that, that the question says I'm stuck on the logo step number one. And I want to point out the logo is not step number one. Um, it's, it's step it's one of the important steps as you're developing your online presence and starting to put things out there. Um, but like we can really get lost early in business with all of these aesthetic choices and things like that. Step number one is connecting with people and talking to potential clients or yeah. building part. Like step number one is the stuff that makes you sweat, not the, not the pretty stuff that you're going to put out on your website. Um, and so I, I, I caught that and I wanted to point that out because I, you know, when I, a lot of times when I work with clients, they might have kind of an old outdated version of their brand visually, and yeah. it might be years before we actually update it because we yeah. spend time clarifying, you know, their offerings and their, their method and yeah. getting them good at delivering and selling it. And then when they've landed that and they found that the, the groove that is their own with their brand, then we invest in doing the next refresh of all of those visuals and the website and everything else. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of like uh, I used to work in construction and we say measure twice, cut once. I think there's some element of that here where a lot of times we try to pinch pennies up front because we are kind of bootstrapping or using our own money or whatever. And it's kind of like, you know, buying three really cheap vacuums over the course of three years versus like buying the Dyson now because it's the best, which mm -hmm. by the way, I really like my Dyson. I have a weird, <laughs> like preference for it that my wife thinks is really stupid, but it's just kind of the best vacuum. It's the, it's the right vacuum and I'm not going to buy three cheap ones. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just going to buy that one. that's going to last 10 years. And I, I, people on the show, you know, who've listened for a while know I'm, I'm very big on, on branding and I would, 
I suggest therapists spend a lot more than they think they should spend on this piece mm -hmm. because when you really nail it and you've really got it, it's going to stand out. You're going to have ROI, ROI right away when you really stand out. Um, and I think the other piece is that it can really last. Uh, again, think about timeless brands like Nike or the Nike swoosh. I think we should be thinking about creating a brand. Maybe it's not maybe my counseling practice won't be that iconic, but a brand like that, that can last that long, right? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why companies invest insane amounts of money into their, their branding when they, when they really do it right. It's something that can, can really last and it can kind of ride through fads and waves of things, right. And still be a, a, a relevant and kind of a familiar brand. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we've got another question here. We've got about uh, 10 minutes left. The question is, um, what makes me unique is that my average number of sessions is only six when working with kids and teens. How do I promote this fact without sounding like I'm giving a guarantee or promising a certain outcome, which are both unethical? This is actually a really interesting question, right? In terms of uh, what we're offering, right? Our service, our kind of guarantee, our process we talk about, uh, is something I'm not sure if you know that as therapists, we generally cannot promise results. Mm -hmm. It's unethical for our boards. So we are limited by that. We also can't uh, solicit and publish, you know, testimonials on our site because of confidentiality that, you know, we all fall under similar to a medical, you, you know, office. So mm -hmm. it's interesting with that being said, yeah. What's your reaction to this question? Um, Question. What's SFBT? I actually don't know. I'm oh, assuming okay. it's a it's a it's an approach to therapy. Um, it's if it's something I've never heard of, it's probably pretty niche. Or, um, but it's a specific type of short term therapy. I'm assuming that works with kids and teens. So, okay. And yeah. so I'll just kind of I'll what I'm getting from the question is that what what this therapist is saying is they get results faster because it sure. only takes them six sessions, and maybe the average in the industry is like. 20 or 10 or something. Is, is that what you're getting from it's, it as well? It's definitely higher. And how most therapy starts is it's open-ended. So you can't say I have anxiety say, and we say, okay, you know, I can see you on Thursday at 11 mm -hmm. and then come back next week and next week and next week. And there is definitely a weakness to um, this fact that it's very open-ended and clients don't know, are you following a process and is this going to end? Am I going to kind of graduate therapy? So to this therapist's point, um, there's some real strength in having this kind of short-term limited model and saying, I have a, for instance, a six week program that I walk you through and it has three clear phases or six clear steps yeah. and a graduation date. I mean, that's very compelling if you ask me compared to, yeah, just come to therapy for as long as it takes. Absolutely. Like it doesn't have to be a promise or a guarantee. And so what I would say is like first to really look at why you're getting such great results. So what, you know, yeah. what is it about your point of view or your approach, you know, and, and maybe it's just this and somebody suggested it's solution focused. Yeah. Probably um, the solution focused behavior therapy, I'm assuming, but okay, thank you for that, so, Michelle. So it, so is it, is solution focused behavior therapy the the secret weapon or the key here and if so then yeah. your messaging really comes around that and why that works and yeah. you know letting people like educating people onto what it is and why it works and then i love your idea of then you kind of once you've gotten them you know on board with yeah this is the answer for me then you show them that the way that you serve your your 
clients yeah. is exactly that. It's it's yeah. it's the solution focused therapy and it's a six week program and then working within the realm of what you can say people have experienced as a result of that program, you yeah. can show that there's hope. I really love that. And also, you know, we are designed to try to protect our resources and not not make bad investments, right? So if I'm looking at her program and it's six weeks to get my child from this painful place to this ideal outcome, that looks a lot better than, you know, just the dude who's, who has no process, right? Mm -hmm. um, I encourage therapists to think about sketching out their own process or kind of program, even if it's not, you know, um, uh, something that has, uh, I don't know, 10 years of research behind it or whatever, but to think about even in broad strokes, what are the phases of therapy? Like, let's say you're coming to me for anger management. What are the broad strokes phases of therapy? First is, you know, understanding the thoughts that happen that drive the anger. Second is learning what your triggers are. Third is, you know, um, yeah, practicing mindfulness to, um, to not fall for your triggers or whatever it is. Like, if you could say things like that on an initial call with a client, they're going to feel way more secure and confident than the person who just, who's just like, yeah, I can see you just come on by. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and are you like within the realms of, of like ethics, are you allowed to educate? Sure. Sure. And we can also, you know, refer to when there are, models that have good results like this SFBT might have good results or it might, they might say, you know, on average, um, clients report 30% reduction in anxiety after six weeks, you know, after the six week program, you could say things like that or reference, you know, research and whatnot, because that's, that's a little different than making a promise or, you know, an, a, a mm -hmm. guarantee, but rather saying, this is generally what research says about our program. Like if you think of the hero's journey, mm -hmm. um, which is not something I, I actually really use with Brent with with my approach, but it's coming up for me now. And so yeah. I'm going to run with it. Um, the hero's journey always suggests that, you know, the hero encounters a helper who has a tool that they need in order to accomplish what they want. Yeah. And you can see yourself that way. And so these parents of children are trying or, or teens are trying to find answers. And if the, if you yeah. can be found on that journey of them trying to find answers and you can, you know, guide them to see what, how this solution focused approach is exactly or brief therapy um, is exactly what um, they've been looking for. Yeah. Um, like it aligns with the things that they're seeing in their kids and it, and, and you can kind yeah. of explain a bit about why it works, then you've given them a tool and now you just invite them to teach them, you know, how to use the tool or to show them or to walk them through the tool. And that's, mm -hmm. that's promise free. <laughs> you don't have to make any like bold statements or anything. You're actually just guiding, helping, educating, and giving them valuable insights that they didn't have before that happen to align with exactly how you serve your patients or clients. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, that 
the the more you can help build a client's confidence in you during that initial call, the the better. And um, or even building that confidence uh, through your website and how you talk about what you do and how you help yeah. and that you have a plan for them um, is is huge. And again, that is already more than what ninety percent of therapists are are doing. I have a therapist in you know one of our mastermind groups who who treats uh, selective mutism in children and has a very um, a very you know kind of predictable way that she takes people through this process um, that is very powerful both for the outcomes and also for again the marketing piece of being able to show people you have a plan you're not going to waste their precious time or money right mm -hmm. and you know what you're doing and you are in fact the expert that they're looking for um, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and 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 I, I'll share that like you got to be careful not to just put all the spotlight on the tool. Um, sure. Like that is something that I do see a lot um, with therapists or yeah. in just health related industries, people who have a lot of certifications and methods that they've learned and you go to their yeah. website and it's just like a list of tools and methods and it's not really about the tool, right? And so um, if, if you happen to use one tool, then maybe, you, you know, we've been talking about that, but just watch for that laundry list of tools and then you're kind of putting the work on your potential um, client to decide what they need and that overwhelms yeah. them and so it's not yeah. about the tool it's about the information you can give them that they didn't have before and i think of somebody who i follow who does a really good job of like um informing about just what trauma responses look like because yeah. a lot of people are walking around with trauma responses they don't know our trauma responses and that's yeah. a really good example of giving information that empowers them helps them start to see what they need to get their result and those are the people who you know will build the audiences and the followers and the trust and then ultimately be able to fill you know to get those clients that's great. Yeah, we, we teach our clients um, to to use no greater than third grade language, you know, in describing what they do to take something as seemingly complicated as, let's say, uh, EMDR, you know, it's a, it's a brain treatment we use for, for trauma. And imagine explaining that to a third grader. Um, that's the, the kind of level of language we often need to use in copywriting for it to be compelling and non-confusing and non-jargony. Um, I, we also teach, uh, we call it the copywriting sandwich. You, you know, you would paint a picture of what the client's life is like right now, um, the pain points right now in plain language, um, how you help, you introduce yourself and how you help. And then the the, the final part is kind of how their life can be different as a result of, of working with you. That would just be a quick and dirty way to start to get some words on the page and think about the transformation. Um, the other piece we talk about is... Um, what does the client feel? What do they have? And who are they before and after your service? And just jotting down those notes, right? And really working on what is that transformation? This is where a lot of really great copy and taglines can come from too, you know, in that process. So I really like going through that with therapists. Um, mm -hmm. We've got, um, and just for one final clarification, I'm, I'm losing a lot of clinical points today with my audience. It's solution-focused brief therapy. And I do know that I'm just... <laughs> really tired and i have a two-year-old so that's my excuse <laughs> solution focused brief therapy thank you again michelle for that clarification um uh lisa we have like a couple minutes left i just want to see if um you can kind of think of 
Um, what's your kind of final uh, parting wisdom, I guess, in terms of what you hope therapists really remember from this episode? What, what should they do next? And then we can wrap up with kind of how folks can uh, learn more about you and, and get in touch with you for some help. Yeah. I So what's coming for me is what you do really matters. And one of the things that I notice over and over again as entrepreneurs who, you know, are in a helping or a healing craft um, are in business and start to try to face those struggles of getting their business off the ground, it can be easy to lose sight of your craft and mm -hmm. to lose your connection to it and to start finding yourself on webinars about Instagram and picking up business books and, you know, getting lost into the world of how do I make my business succeed? And what I want to offer is that you need to stay anchored in your, you know, purpose, you know, or your, your why, your mission around why you do this work, like stay connected to your craft. Remember that um, at the end of the day, becoming, you know, somewhat versed in online marketing isn't your goal. <laughs> Your goal is to change lives by being the absolute best therapist that you can be. And I'm not saying that that will make all the business problems fall away or anything like that. But if you let go of that and if you kind of get out of touch with your actual, you know, clients or patients out of touch with why you want to help them and what they act like that they're real humans, like the, the humans and, you know, business for humans. Yeah that these are real humans and that you play a critical, critical role in their life. If you get out of touch with that, all of the business advice, all of the business strategies are not going to get you anywhere near where you could get um, if you really stay rooted in caring about the people that you can serve by showing up and being in your craft. That's great. Yeah, powerful um, uh, message and something that I think a lot of therapists will resonate with quite a bit. Um, th this has been great. Uh, Lisa, again, maybe we can wrap up with just how people can find out more about you and, and get in touch if they're interested in, in getting your help. Yeah, I'd love that. So I, you can find me at realizeyourbrand.com. Um, so that's my agency. And also you can find us on social media at realizeyourbrand. Um, and the, that's a Z, realize with a Z. Um, so I would love anybody who feels inspired to connect, uh, reach out. Awesome. Thank you again, uh, Lisa, for being here. And for our listeners, um, this is, yeah, right now on, um, uh, right now on YouTube, we're here live every uh, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this will also be on the podcast tomorrow. Um, next week, we are here with Justin Cromer, and we're going to be talking about uh, SEO. So, interesting to be building on branding. You got the brand. Now what? Let's get it in front of, let's get it some visibility with, with SEO. So um, make sure to be here next week if you all are interested in um, hearing what Justin has to say. Um, you'll also get an email if you're on our main list about uh, to submit your questions for me and Justin for, um, uh, for next week. So another interesting way and uh, for, for you all to get some free help from experts every week by submitting your questions ahead of time um, once you see that email come through. So yeah, there you have it. Um, Lisa, again, thanks again for being here. I'd love to have you back sometime and really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, John. I would absolutely love that. And thank you for the great questions as well to the listeners. 
for sure.